Shabbat Shalom, everyone. We're, so today is uh, Shabbat Hagadol. So this is a very interesting history for me always because in 2000, when on Shabbat Hagadol, we began uh, the building drive that eventually got us this building because God showed me this Torah portion and made me believe that we could actually do it if we brought the whole tithe to the storehouse that he would uh, pour out a blessing, and he certainly has. So now our building is paid off. What else do we want to do? It's pretty awesome, right? Didn't take that long. So we're entering Pesach season, and, and, this, and, and Shabbat HaGadol is about preparing ourselves for Passover, preparing ourselves for redemption, for the renewal and the hope uh, that the Passover season is to, is to bring to us, springtime and all these other things that uh, signify new life, and we sure could use it for the winter like we've gone through, right? So uh, I want to start off uh, with the opening line of uh, Malachi, the, the Haftor of Malachi. Uh, it says this, it says, Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in days of old and in former years. How lovely, isn't that? Right? That the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord. By the way, this is something we say in the, uh, in the Amidah all the time. All right? It's a regular portion of the part of our daily prayer life. And when we pray, we pray that God will take the offering of our lips and, accept, and it would be acceptable. And so we say this line from Malachi. You know... But here's the, here's the issue. Is it just that good? Or is there a crucible through which we must make our way in order to truly receive the fullness of redemption? To really experience what redemption is. After all, if everything is perfectly fine, uh, where's the rescue? Where is the redemption? There's a trial that we go through because it raises us up spiritually. So we often don't like the trials in our lives. They're too hard. We all want peace and we all want everything to be lovely and relaxed all the time. But life would not be very interesting. Nor would it challenge us because it's in the challenges of our lives that we rise, that we press on to something, to a higher call. And without those stresses in our lives, we'll never know, Right? So let me just show you what it says before this. <laughs> before it says this, it says this, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he'll clear the way before me. But who can, who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. You see, before our offering is acceptable, there is this to endure. That God is going to send in his Redeemer. And it's not going to be just all fun and games. But he's going to test us like in a refiner's fire. Cleanse us as with fuller's soap. So that we're prepared. Then, then, will have something. He'll liquid it says, he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. 
and he'll purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. See, we have to go through a crucible. We don't just get there. It's only after we've been fired and cleansed that our offering becomes an acceptable one. Then the offering of the Lord. Right? See, read chapter 3 from verse 1 <laughs> rather than from verse 4. You know, uh, our rabbis were very clever in their construction of the haftarot. All the haftarot always end well. Every one of them. They end on a positive note, no matter how tough the middle part may be. And that's a good thing because it gives us, we know that there are difficulties in the world. They know that. But we know also that the end, we win if we stick with it. See, this is why we need to have as much as possible a positive attitude about everything in life. Because God says in the end, don't worry, in the end I win. And so no matter how difficult the road may be, we will endure. Those who will endure will be saved. So, he says, so let's, what do we have to do? Because, you know, Friday night, we'll all gather around our Passover tables and we'll, re- we'll reenact the story of Passover, right? And in it, we go through all of the difficulties that the children of Israel experienced. But there is a redemption that we need to get there, there that, that, we, that we will achieve but there's so much in the way of preparation. And that's what Shabbat HaGadol is all about. It's about preparing for that time. Because on Shabbat HaGadol, it is traditional for us to go through all the rules of Passover. That's what we're supposed to do today. I'm not going to do that quite. Uh, but we all know that one of, the, one of the things is to clean out the leaven. How many of you are doing so cleaning out the leaven? I hope you're all cleaning out the leaven in your houses. I don't see enough hands, ladies and gentlemen. Something is not right here. Okay? But we're to be cleaning out the leaven, and that is a problem for those of us who live in America in particular. Since everything in American food, anything in American prepared food, has leaven in it, probably. Very hard, right? So your cupboards are bare. You know, there's nothing in the, in the refrigerator. I mean, it starts getting a little ragged when, you know, about the fifth day of Passover, you have nothing in your house but eggs and matzah. You know what I mean? It's like... Very difficult. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to prepare the leaven by getting it out of our lives, right? So this portion tells us this. You see what it says? It says, Then I will draw near for you, to you for judgment, and I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress in the wage earner, and so on. So we have a job to do in preparing our souls for this. It's not just a matter of, okay, I have to get a little bit of a little food. But God is asking us to examine our own hearts and our own motivations. What makes for a righteous society? He says, look at, look at all these things he names, which we don't think we typically have, right? 
Oh, sorcerers and adulterers against those who swear falsely against those, wait a, wait a minute, those who oppress the wage earner and his wage. Maybe we do have those things. Wait a minute. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, uh, you know, have to knock you out with my own political politics or social commentary. But we live in a world that has all of these things in it. And we have to, we have to be the ones who say, stand up and say no. And we won't put up with it. You know, I think we have a problem in the body of Messiah, in that we so want to get along with the rest of culture that we have dumbed down our own sense of responsibility for the world, our own sense of moral right. And the more that we surrender to it, the more we will be subject to what the world will demand of us until we are indistinguishable from the world around us. And we can't let that happen. We have to say no now. We have to say there is a standard by which we will live, ladies and gentlemen, that we will not, we will not compromise. You know, there's... <laughs> I shouldn't do this. I really shouldn't do this because I heard something last night on, the, on, the, on TV about a law that's trying to pass in Indiana, which has something to do with uh, who you can serve in your business and all this stuff, and whether or not you can serve, you can choose who you can serve, gay people or others or whatever. And so this law is, they're trying to pass this law in Indiana, which would give a, a businessman the right to make that decision. And of course, there are those in other lobbies who are insisting that, no, you can't make that rule. Now, I agree with them that if I owned a secular business, I probably would want to, you know, since it's all about money, I'll take anybody's money as long as the money is green or whatever color we're making our money these days. But as I was listening to the argument, uh, a, a fear overcame me. It was a fear that they would extend, that if they decide this is unconstitutional to do, they will extend it to issues of religious expression. And so that we, as a community, will have to accept anything that the society tells us we have to. That the government says, you cannot discriminate here. Therefore, forget about your religious convictions. You are, you're out. And they're going to play this card. They're going to play the extreme card. The extreme card that talks about the bigot and about the, uh, the, you know, the Nazi uh, and anyone who would say, look, there are distinctions in the world, we draw them, we accept these people for who they are, but we don't feel that they, uh, they subscribe to our, our life and our way of thinking. And the minute that happens, I know what's going to happen next. They're going to legislate to me who I have to marry, who I have to work with, who I have to uh, allow, what I have to allow. And at that point, we will be utterly compromised. Well, we're doing that now anyway, in other ways. Maybe that's an extreme example. But we're doing it in other ways because by our behavior. You know, listen, Marilyn and I, we stayed married for 40 years because we love each other. So I'm not telling you we have tricks that no, everybody, nobody else has. But we also stayed married all this time 
because we had a conviction about our relationship before God. That he became a standard by which we operated our marriage. And that's how you stay married for 40 years. You think beyond yourself, beyond your own need, your own personal desires, to something greater than yourself, and then you can. And that's what preparing the leaven is all about. It's about saying to God, okay, I give this up. It's very inconvenient. All that I'm going to have in my cupboards is eggs and matzah for the next two weeks. I mean, yeah, it's inconvenient. But there's something greater than me going on here. And it's the same thing as far as the other behaviors in our life. Why can't we have a society that does not lie? That does not oppress wage earners? That doesn't oppress the widow and the orphan or make it difficult for us to live, to create a world where only the elite can have uh, the good things of life? when there's enough to go around for everyone. We can have that if we prepare ourselves, live purely, and live at a high level and make the world a better place for it. Demand it of the world as well. Secondly, we prepare the offering. You see what it says in this portion? It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. It's, it's imperative for us to give all of ourselves. You know, if you give all of yourself, you will get back much more than you ever give. This thing has been tested so many times in this place that it is not funny. This very principle of giving sacrificially to the Lord. I'm not just talking about money. Money is one thing, because money is the thing you value most. Stop lying. So we value it. And if I said something, if that made you uncomfortable, you need it more. You need to open up your wallet right now and put, 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 put a whole big check in there, as big as you can, if that made you uncomfortable. Because you're a slave. And that's what this is about. This is about breaking the chains of slavery in your life. And see if God will not pour out a blessing for you. He does it every single time. You see what it says? He says, test me. Test me. Go ahead. And see if it does not happen. I told you guys. And we had like 40 families in 2000. And we raised all this money to buy this place. And now we own it got free in 15 years. How'd that happen? We're still not a very big congregation. It's not because we, we invested the money in some kind of stock that made a whole lot of money because that didn't happen. It's about giving ourselves away to make room for what God will give. You see? If you depend on yourself, good luck in this life. You know, there's always a bigger dog than you. But if we rely on the Lord, look what he says. I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you will not, until it overflows, you'll not be able to uh, contain it. 
So we prepare our offering before the Lord. You know, in ancient, uh, it's an ancient custom in some communities on the day before Shabbat HaGadol to bake a small quantity of bread from the flour which has been reserved for making the matzah. This bread is referred to as the challah of the poor or the synagogue challah, and it's distributed to the poor in the community. Each person would fulfill this custom in accordance with his means. The wealthy would prepare more, and those who are less, less fortunate would prepare less, whatever. So what about that? Preparing an offering that we can offer to the people out there. You know, we're, we're slaves. We're, we're, a big, we're a congregation that has been generous in the past. And we should continue to do so. You know, I've really been very proud of that part of it. Did I, did I do that right? Okay, yes. And uh, we need to do that as often as we possibly can. I know that Passover is a time when it is particularly difficult to find food because everybody's throwing their food away or everybody's concerned about not eating this or that or the other thing. And it's a great time for us to do something about it, something to think about, that we can participate in the good of the world. So we prepare an offering, <coughs> the offering of ourselves uh, during this season. And then what I really want to talk about is I gave you a card. If you have, if you have your program today, that's mine, who stole mine, you should have a card like this in your program. All right? Everybody who's got one, please raise one. If you don't have one, we'll have to figure out a way to get you one. Well, we only had, I only had so many. Okay, right. So this is a, something that we participate in every year as we prepare for Shabbat HaGadol. This is uh, the UMJC's annual prayer campaign for the Shavuot season. So another rule during Pesach is that on the second night, which would be Saturday night, we begin the counting of the Omer. And this card is to help you count the Omer and to pray and to, and to present an offering, okay? So here's the rules. How many of you are going to participate with me in this, all right, this year? Come on, every hand, get it up there. Otherwise, I'll come, I'll come to your house. <laughs> all right? So here's what we do. Uh, you have the card as a reference, and on the first uh, night, which is Saturday, April 4th, we recite the blessings. Tells you all how to do that on this front, on the front-facing page. All right, and then on the back we have a very convenient little prayer guide for you, and we prepare, uh, we pray for each of these topics for that week, and you can check them off, check off the boxes if you're so inclined, so you can keep track of praying for each night. And here's what I want you to do if God gives you the, the ability to do it. Uh, we have the custom in our congregation, we've done this for many years now, we, we, we put away a dollar a day, at least a dollar a day. If you can do more, do more. If you're, if you're well off and you can do more than a dollar. You know, I was at the coffee shop the other day 
for some insane reason. And I'm watching, and I was, it was a long line. It was a ridiculously long line. And I'm wa- listening to all of these people order their, order their coffee. You know, and triple latte with mocha on it and, you know, and, and some whipped cream on the top. I'm thinking that must have been about 1,500 calories for the morning. So, and they're paying four and a half and five dollars for a cup of coffee. I walked up there. I said, listen, can I have a plain decaf, please, and nothing in it? Okay, that's a dollar. Okay. I'm thinking, why are all these people spending a lot of money? You know, but you can spend $5 a day on a cup of coffee. You can spend a dollar on your, your brethren, okay? Because what, we what we'll do with the offering is this year we're, we're saying we're going to, uh, the, the Shavuot offering will help to renew our Messianic Jewish community through UMJC initiatives like all those things listed scholarships and internship grants for emerging young leaders. And by the way, I get, to, I get to decide on that. That's my project. So you'll be helping me. Thank you. All right, and all the other things. It's our way of bringing renewal to our community because that's the focus of our prayer this year is renewal. You know, we've been around, it's, it's been over 40 years and I, I love the charity's uh, little uh, teaching that after, 40, after the 40th year, it's a, there's a, or a 40th per, period of 40, there's a renewal. She could have just as easily used the 40 years that Israel spent in the desert, and then they entered into the land as a new people, new and free people. There are many such 40s in the, in the Torah for us. We want to produce renewal because all of us need that, you know? Particularly as we get older, we need something to recharge our batteries to say, now I'm prepared for something new in life. Because that's what this is all about. Getting ready, preparing ourselves, preparing the offering. It's all for the sake of God renewing us to something better. Renewal doesn't mean just refurbish. I want you to know. Because as we're renewed, we are being brought to a higher and higher level in uh, our spiritual lives in God. That's the goal. That we should not only be renewed, but made better than we ever were. Not just fixed. So Lord our God, we want to pray that you're going to give us that renewal. And indeed he does. Listen to these words. It says in Malachi chapter 4, it says, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you'll go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. If we do these things, if we surrender ourselves, if we prepare, we remove the leaven, bring the offering, be willing to sacrifice for all these things. Then God says this, this, for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. There's our renewal. There's our hope. Because we know who the son of righteousness is. And he will bring us that hope in this new, in this new year. You know, Nisan chapter one, you know, Nisan, uh, day, the, the first day of Nisan, uh, brings us the first uh, commandment that the Lord ever gave to Israel. Did you know that? In the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus, 
This is the very first commandment that God ever gave to Israel as a community. It says in verse 2, it says, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. And that was on the first day of Nisan. That's the month we're in now. It's actually, I think, the sixth day of Nisan today. So it's the beginning. It's a renewal. It's a, a new start. And maybe you're looking for a new start in life. Maybe God is calling you to something new. Maybe it's you're over a period. There's been a period, a season in your life. And now you're in a new season. God wants to renew us. He may have to take us through a crucible in order to re bring us to that new place. But that is the will of God so that the Son of Righteousness with healing in His wings will come forth to us. So that's my prayer.